Welcome everyone to another episode of The Creative Minds. Joining me here today is Edward Johnson. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Pushfar, an entrepreneur at heart. Uh, Pushfar is one of a few ventures. Uh, this is now very much full time and, and mm. where I'm spending all of my time now. Um, but I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always loved the internet, connectivity, and uh, forming those connections between individuals to, to ultimately help each other. And uh, mentoring is really at the heart of that. So to, yeah. to be able to run a business that's all focused on mentoring is, yeah. is really exciting. Can you give us a brief idea of your background? Like, what did you study as an undergrad? And when did this passion towards entrepreneurship start for you? I didn't go to university. I, I dropped out of school when I was 17 and I didn't complete my A-levels. I uh, actually tweeted the CEO of a company and asked yeah. for a job uh, working in marketing. And yeah. uh, he came back and offered me a job not realizing I was 17 at the time and started working for a marketing agency and uh, doing some really quite exciting things, working with some large corporations. And then from there, moved to working for Oracle for a time and then started to work for more startups in the marketing and uh, digital space, but always knew I wanted to run my own business and, and be running side, side hustles or side gigs, if you like. Mm. Um, in the in the startup tech space and uh, then the opportunity to or the, the idea to come up with something around mentoring uh, hit me and I started to run with it and so then launched Pushfar yeah. uh, for almost five years ago now that's, so that's... always been an entrepreneur I yeah. guess <laughs> That's, that's amazing how did you have the courage though to like not continue with your a-levels and just jump on the first job that you got like you had no previous experience did your parents even allow that like how how was that okay I taught myself web development from a really young age I think I was nine years old when I started programming and, and doing web design so I'd always been doing sort of freelance web development even while I was at school like in the evenings and at weekends I'd be designing websites for local businesses I would be really interested in technology so I was making a bit of money I was also one of the early YouTube partners a lot of people don't know that so I was one of the first people on YouTube to be generating revenue by I used to do YouTube tutorials on um web design and html and dreamweaver and various other things yeah. so i was doing various things when i was like 14 15 16 years old and so for me going into that first job at the age of 17 i felt like i already had some experience with work and it was really the fact that i was i was i wouldn't say i was dropping out of school because i didn't have anything to go to i was i was dropping out of school because i had a job offer and um and i was I was delighted that I that I did obviously, mm -hmm. and I think that gave everyone the confidence. They were like, actually, you know, you've got a job to go to, and um, it's a you know, it's a good, it was a post grad salary. They didn't realise how old I was at the time, so yeah. everyone sort of thought, well, that seems like a safer option than going to university for three or four years and then yeah. coming out and then trying to find the equivalent job four yeah. years down the line. So yeah. it made sense for me, and 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 frankly, if I got if I'd gone to university, I don't know what I'd have studied. And I don't think anything that I would have wanted to study mm. would have given me more experience than doing mm. a job and mm. getting stuck into something in real life. 100%. Yeah. So what would you say What would you say was the first thing that you've learned in that first job experience? Like, how was that? Was it challenging? Was it exciting? Did you do well? It was really challenging. There were so many unknowns. There was, there was so much yeah. that you're not sure about. I think 
my first job really actually taught me a lot about dealing with customers and clients mm. and um, that hands-on experience where you're representing a business. Mm. And that's the sort of thing that I think those interpersonal skills around dealing with mm. customer inquiries, dealing with clients and their marketing campaigns. Mm. I, was a, I was an account manager and a campaign manager. So dealing with all the different things that go into that, just basic processes like how you answer the telephone or how you respond yeah. to an email professionally and all those nuances that you sort of don't, no one teaches you, um, you suddenly start to learn about and then learning about using a CRM, learning about the internal processes of a business. It was a, it was a digital marketing agency. There were about 50 employees at the time. Mm. So just learning about what makes up a company and the idea that there is a finance director and an accountant and um, yeah. head of HR and all these other roles that you, you kind of know about a bit when you're at school or a university, yeah. but you, you don't know a lot about. And so yeah. the practicalities behind all the processes, I think, yeah. big yeah. learning curve and, and really yeah. interesting. Yeah, no, I I kind of feel also from what you're saying is that you're very engaged in the process of you learning and about the company that you're in. Because I also like talk to other individuals too, where they'd be working in the company and just doing what it is that they have to do and not very much keen into learning about other departments. It's just like, okay, I'll do my job. I'm done. I leave. I go, I go away, right? Um, what What made you want to further learn what's out there in the company? Because I think that mindset, I'm just noticing my curiosity in several different points that you mentioned. Um, like, what made you want to check out those other spaces, learn more about the company, how those company structures? For me, I think it was an awareness that I always wanted to start my own business one day. And therefore, understanding the processes that go into any other company and all the different job roles and functions and processes involved in that okay. would one day be really useful for me because I can then apply that to my own businesses. And okay. I've worked in smaller companies where there have yeah. been five or 10 employees. I've had the fortune of working for, uh, I worked for a year for Oracle, which has yeah. 130,000 employees. Yeah. So during my time in those different companies, I learned about different processes, what goes on in them, very conscious about the fact that one day this would be something I could apply to my own business. Okay. So I was, it was a conscious decision. Okay. Okay. And how was your experience working in a small company versus um, an Oracle company size company? <laughs> <laughs> Different in a yes. word. Yes. Um, with, with a smaller company, you definitely feel like there's a lot more opportunity to do things that are really going to make a difference. Okay. You know that if you, you're not doing something mm. people will notice mm. and therefore you really have a lot of opportunities to do lots of things that are going to make a really big difference mm. and I'm not saying you don't have that to the same extent within a larger company but within a larger company it is easier to to do less yeah. and um, yeah. it's easier to feel like there are so many processes involved and you're a tiny mm. cog in a lot of you know massive machine and that actually the, the, the company's going to go on without you. And therefore it yeah. does change the dynamic of it. And you're aware of certainly not, not for yourself. And, and for me, certainly I, I really enjoyed mm. my work, even at, at Oracle, but I was aware that there were some people in, in an organization of that size. And I think that's true of any organization of that size yeah. who didn't have a dedication or commitment to a business in the same way that you do when you're in a startup or you're in a smaller ecosystem. You were kind of, initially talked about how you're into coding and then then jumped into a whole marketing 
space different world like was that transition easy for you at the beginning of your journey like you usually people who like to code uh, or at least the people that I met are just like coders they're like listen I, I I don't do anything I just code coding is my thing you give me any creative idea I just code so was that uh an interesting or did you want to do that transition definitely I think I've always seen programming and marketing in a quite similar vein, I guess. Mm. And uh, I suppose the reason for that is you you do get a lot of overlap. There's a lot within digital marketing in particular where you need to understand about technology and how it works. Mm. So even things like attribution tracking in, in marketing campaigns on Facebook, that's still quite technical. You need to understand what's going on in order to track a conversion or the return on investment. So from a technical perspective, there's a lot of technicality that goes into in particular digital marketing. Mm. And I think um, making sure that you understand how one works definitely feeds into the other. And for me, I was conscious that I needed to be able to not only develop a website or develop a platform, but also to be able to then market it. Because yeah. if you can, there are some people who, who can create an amazing app, but they don't know how to market it. And therefore it's not going to go anywhere. And there are some people that are really good at marketing, but they've got a terrible app and therefore it's not going to go anywhere either. You need both of those components. And I'm, I'm, I mean, with Pushfire, I'm fortunate that actually we've got an amazing CTO and co-founder, Gabriel. So he's doing all the development work. I've yeah. definitely taken a step back from doing development work. I still yeah. do front-end user interface design a bit. Yeah. I still do um, you know, some work around programming, but it's far less hands-on. And I've got an amazing co-founder that does that. But I was aware early on that I needed both components, I suppose. 100%. So you said like then you you worked in smaller companies, larger companies, and you went and did some other ventures as well uh, before you did Push For. Is that correct? Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So I I launched a mobile app called Temporary, which got into the top 100 apps on the app chart but it just the technology wasn't quite there so it dropped off quite early on and we didn't get funding for it um, but I learned a lot from that I learned a lot about viral content and marketing so that was a great opportunity to do that yeah. I um, worked on startups as part of a smaller team as well where we've done sort of events planning and, and launched a membership organization investment for that that's still running um, but it's something that I'm doing a lot less of but that taught me about how yeah. not to spend all investor money straight away because it's, it's, you know, there are some valuable lessons I learned with that. Yeah. Um, but now Pushfire is, is my sort of sole focus for the, for the time being, definitely. And then you, you talked about um, eventually learning from those experiences and then got into Pushfire. But in my mind, I'm just thinking like, what gave you the courage to start those startups and then like you have an idea and then you're executing this idea but then you have no idea where to start who you need to hire let's say you're at least the first project like you have no funding how do you go around by okay having someone else believe in your idea and have you join in their team and then I don't know how you pay them do you not pay them like how does this whole thing work so for me I think the most important thing when it comes to turning an idea into something that you then can execute on and, and build on as a business visualization is the most important thing and it goes back to what I mentioned mm. earlier on about the programming and the marketing in parallel I'm fortunate enough that I can 
design a user interface for an app or a website mm. and I can help showcase that to potential investors or people I'm talking to about an idea. So the first thing I'll do when it comes to a new business or a new venture mm. is I'll map out what it looks like. I'll create a static and a non-functioning website where you can walk people through each frame, how they sign up, how they can use it, what the functionality is, mm. and really start to get people thinking about the applications of it and getting feedback is really really important at that point because there are going to be lots of iterations of a startup mm. and just talking to your friends or the wider network around what they think about an idea is really important mm. i think the next step after that is as you say you're going to have to at some point either put some of your own money forward or get investment mm. and if you've managed to do a good job of visualizing it and putting together an overview deck of it then you might be able to get some seed investment to start building a, a, an mvp a minimum viable product either with a freelance developer who you're paying a sort of fixed rate to, um, or if you can find a technical co-founder, then fantastic. And you can look at sort of equity options for them. Um, but I think it goes back to, as I say, that first point, making sure you can visualize an idea uh, okay. because we're, most, most humans are, are visual. And so um, you can talk about an idea, but if you can show them the idea and the mm. reality of what that might look like, mm. even if you know it's going to evolve, Mm. then then it's going to go a lot further mm. uh, quicker mm. so i want to ask you a bit more and how do ideas come to you like do you just get an idea and then you execute it do you just have thousands of ideas and execute on one how what happens there i, I do have quite a few ideas i suppose uh, i think it's really important not to not to distract yourself too much and, and to, to spread yourself too thinly. Yeah. I think when an idea comes into my mind, I stop and I think about it. Mm. I sort of note it down or start mm. to map out what it might potentially look like one day. Mm. I wouldn't do anything about it for the first two or three months. And potentially that's counterintuitive. Some people think, oh, if you've got an idea and you're sitting on it, that's not yeah. a good thing. Yeah. But actually, I do think you need time to, to think about whether it's got legs and it's got an application and yeah. who might use it and how it can be used. And so I think push far is something that evolved over time, but I was probably thinking about it two or three years before I did anything about it because I wanted to make sure that I was getting it right. Mm. And not that I was sitting on this as an idea, I was sitting on a concept which then became this idea, which mm. then distilled down into the first version of push far. And it's fair to say that push far now is not what push far was at the start. It's evolved mm. so much based on mm. what our clients and what our mentors and mentees are looking for yeah um so i would say don't rush into like you know, some people would think that an idea springs to mind and then the next day they start building the app and then in a week later they launch it i would say that just doesn't happen yeah it takes time to think about think about how that idea might evolve and be open to uh, and allow yourself to let that idea evolve um some people think you, you can't shy away from Know, the perfect concept from this idea you that comes to mind but actually you do need concepts and ideas to evolve over time and businesses to evolve over time mm. but if you're not let's say for example constantly I mean that's what I heard it's like as long as you're moving and making it happen a reality the idea is still there and you're building like energy or feeding into it to make it a reality but if, it, if the idea comes in mind and then the next day you forget about it and it's not you're not thinking about it you're not thinking of how you want to make it and execute it isn't that just like the idea might eventually fade away and you don't end up executing it 
Yeah, of course. But then if, if that's the case, then you should probably not be working on it in the first place. If you're not excited about it, and you're not thinking mm. about it every day, then mm. that's a really good indicator that you're not, you don't have enough passion for and, and dedication for it. If you think it's a really good idea okay. and then you forget about it the next day, it probably wasn't that good an idea. Because if you think about a really good idea, yeah. you're going to be thinking about it the whole time. Okay. You're going to be kind of going to sleep going, I wonder how we could apply this or how okay. this could work. And then you're going to wake up the next day and go, actually, I can use it for this. Whereas if you've got an idea oh. that you forget about the next day, was it that good an idea if you've forgotten about it straight away? Yeah. Um, that's what I would say on that. Okay, okay. And then so can you now explain, like we talked a lot about push for people heard push for but can you tell us what push push for is? And yeah, let's start with there. Absolutely. So Pushfar is a global mentoring platform. We have two sides to the business. We've got a business to consumer side and a business to business side for consumers, for individuals. We've got a completely free open mentoring platform. We've got just mm -hmm. over 90,000 people now signed up and you can register. You can put yourself forward as a mentor and mm -hmm. talk about where you're happy to mentor others and the experience that you have, be happy to share. Mm -hmm. And then if you say you're looking for a mentor mm. you can talk about where you're looking for that support and mm. try and connect the best mentors and mentees mm. to help them to then manage their mentoring relationships through the platform and network with one another mm. you can schedule your meetings through the platform you can host your meetings through the platform you can set your goals you can track your progress and then we take that same technology and we help organizations to run mentoring programs so for organizations with For the business to business side of things, we help businesses to run their internal mentoring programs with that same technology. So organizations know the value of mentoring. They often will run mentoring programs. But when you look at how they're being run, they're often on an Excel spreadsheet mm. with someone in HR manually matching their employees together. Mm. Actually, the beauty of Pushfire is you can license our technology, you can add your own logo, you can add your employees in, and you can run your own internal and private mentoring programs mm. uh, in a really streamlined scalable way wow and um do you for example let's say someone goes and applies to be a mentor do you kind of screen that person do you do they go through a process before they get accepted or anyone could be a mentor we don't do any screening okay. because we're of the firm belief that everyone has knowledge skills and experience okay. everyone can build that up at different points in their lives so okay. if you want to share that with others if you want to put yourself forward as a mentor then you can mm. the system will never say to an individual this is your mentor or this is your mentee we never mm. force anyone into a mentoring relationship mm. we give people a suggested list of up to five people they might think are a good idea but you can search for anyone else Okay. And actually, as an organization, we don't think that we should be responsible for saying yeah. you can be a mentor and you can't be a mentor because yeah. someone who we might think is a bad mentor might be great <laughs> for someone else. So we we encourage everyone to, to share their knowledge yeah. with others, because yeah. as a mentor, you also gain a lot from from those conversations. Yeah. Interesting. I, I feel it's like a dating app now. <laughs> it's like <laughs> swipe, swipe plus, swipe right. <laughs> But okay, okay, interesting. And uh, so you go there and you look for a specific talent. Like you type it, I want, for example, a mentor in, let's say, marketing, and then a list of people who are kind of mentees or mentors in, in marketing would kind of show up to you and you can then connect with them and go on from there. Awesome. That's correct, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and, and you mentioned it's a free it's a free uh platform to use so anyone can apply to be a mentor and also be a mentee um 
So I've really come across this mindset and methodology around something being free and how people people don't value free and someone some people need to pay for something to kind of respect their time and the energy that they put into things and this whole energy of like give giving and receiving methodology. So I don't know, like, what what are your thoughts on the idea of keeping it free? Would you at one point decide to okay, let's add some small fee some let's say um, a monthly subscription fee what what are your thoughts with that it's a really good question I think with mentoring mm. what we don't want to do is start charging people and mm. then people start to um, have a hidden agenda when they when it comes to mentoring if you're starting to pay a mentor or you're starting mm. to pay for mentoring services there then becomes this additional agenda in mind that people have around payments and, and mm. funding. Mm. Whereas actually what's what's wonderful about mentoring at the heart of it is that actually it should be focused on what the mentee's objectives are and mm. how the mentor can help and what the mentor is going to get out of that as well. And, and when you start having payments in, you start limiting those conversations or, or having mm. different agendas for those conversations. Mm. And um, with coaching, absolutely it's all about you know that payment for coaching mm. but with mentoring it's all about knowledge and skill exchange and transfer and, and also for, for a mentor when you start talking about your experience and you start yeah. talking about your insights you're able to build on them yourself as well so it's within yeah. your own interests I think everyone should be a mentor and put themselves forward as a mentor okay okay and can you then explain the difference between a mentor and a coach a really good question so a mentor <laughs> Yeah. is uh, or mentoring is what's called a uh, directive so with mentoring the mentor is going to be directing and guiding the mentee mm. whereas with coaching it's actually what's referred to as non-directive so with coaching mm. the coach actually does very little talking they'll pose the right questions but it'll be much more self-reflective so coaching is the individual realizing their own potential so they'll already know a lot of the answers themselves the, the coach isn't doing mm. those answers Whereas with mentoring, it's directed, it's sharing first-hand experience, insights, and giving these answers to uh, the mentee. Okay, okay, okay. So it's an exchange of ideas, exchange of experiences. Meanwhile, coaching, it's more of like um, you want that person to figure out um, their own path just by asking the right questions. Asking the right questions and self-reflection around that. With coaching, okay. Yeah. Okay, so would you consider that a coach would be, let's say, someone who's more advanced in a certain field and kind of has an idea of uh, what's going on in that person's mind, but does not want to tell them what to do? They want them to get to the answer themselves. Is it that way? It it varies, but I think in career coaching, Mm -hmm. um, it's more around getting the individual to sort of self-reflect Mm. on things so the coach might not even have the uh, idea or the answers in their own mind Mm. about what the person they're coaching should do yeah but it's helping the person they're coaching to fulfill their potential and to stop and think about the answers and and, okay um yeah as i say reflect on those Mm. whereas with mentoring yeah the mentor will probably have the answers they'll probably have been in a similar situation themselves five ten twenty years ago and therefore okay. they can say to them well look when I was in this situation mm. 10 years ago this is what I did and it worked really well have you considered doing these things mm. okay so if I'm a person who wants some guidance how would I know if I go should I go to hiring a coach or look for a mentee a mentor mentor if, sorry yeah 
<laughs> if you need someone with a first-hand experience and insights into a certain industry or a topic area or that experience area, I would say a mentor is the right person. Mm. If you think you know the answers within and you just need someone to help you to navigate your way to them, then coaching is probably the answer mm. for you. So did you personally find um, that having a mentor helped you in your own journey? Completely. And I think it goes back to that accountability piece you just mentioned. Mm. It's a bit like personal trainers. You know, anyone can go to the gym and some people are motivated enough to go to the gym on their own and do a workout. Others feel they need a personal training session booked in because they know they've then got to show up for the personal trainer. And if they don't, they're wasting they're wasting the personal trainer's time. They're wasting their own time, everything else. Yeah. They're committing to it by yeah. their personal trainer holding them accountable. Mm. Mentoring, I think, is just the same. So mm. I was I was thinking, how can I be more productive? How can I do more? How can I learn from the mistakes that others have made in a similar mm. situation? Mm. And particularly in the startup space, that's incredibly lonely. Yes. There are so many unknowns. There are so many things where you think, I really need to talk to someone who's been in a similar situation. Yeah. And mentoring is a fantastic opportunity to do yeah. that whilst ensuring you're reaching your full potential and doing everything you can 100 and you mentioned that it's also a fr- it's free so how do you make money out of push for then to keep it sustainable i mean like money is an essential like we need it in our life to keep things going to keep yeah. exp- funding the program to keep it improving so how do you fund fund push for sorry yeah sorry um, so the open network is completely free for individuals the way we generate revenue is Mm. we license the technology into businesses so Mm. businesses will pay us a monthly or an annual license fee to run their own internal mentoring programs with our technology so a real mix of companies of all shapes and sizes um, companies like samsung nissan multiverse lloyd they'll use our technology Mm. for their own internal mentoring programs Okay, okay. And they pay us a license fee for that. So the final question, and that's like, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is knowing that you're helping others to make a difference. Mm. So being able to be an enabler of other people's success mm. and that in your oh that's 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 will then be your own success. And I think every entrepreneur to a certain extent is doing that um, and I think every individual to a certain extent mm. is doing that and has the capability to do that and do you feel that you're successful now yes, yes. fortunately through yeah. Pushfar, through what we're doing to connect people yeah. and the success that mentors and mentees are seeing from those mentoring conversations that have been enabled by us as an organization and I'm incredibly privileged that we are able to do that and yeah. that's what drives us forward yeah so Years before Pushfar was there, would you have still considered yourself successful? Or were you always striving to look for something that made sense to you and Pushfar made sense to you? I I don't think success is something that you either have or you don't. I think Mm -hmm. it's a continuation. So Mm -hmm. I think looking back 10 years or five years, I would say, yes, I was successful in what what I was looking to achieve and what I was going out to achieve. Mm. and um, and that was getting my first job moving into a new job meeting new people learning about businesses those were all elements of success I think my definition of success 
five years from now or even a year from now might look might look different. And I don't think success is is one thing at one point in time. I think at this point in time, I feel I'm successful with what I'm what I'm achieving. Mm. Uh, and then in a year's time that might be different. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and uh for everyone listening, where should they find you? How should they connect with you? Like are you open for people to reach out? Yeah, let us know. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. You can head over to pushfar.com. You can register and get involved in mentoring as well. I'm a proactive mentor on the platform as well. So drop me a message and I uh, always love connecting with people. Awesome. So um, Great. hopefully we'll see you on Pushfar or LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, and again, for everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I hope you all have an amazing, awesome rest of your day. <laughs>